Um, okay, uh, yeah, so um, welcome everyone this morning and welcome to Ports of Church. Um, we, um, what a brilliant reading by Tom. Uh, it is the uh, longest speech in Acts and there's a lot of speeches in Acts um, and I think he did brilliantly to get through it. Um, yeah, so we're reflecting this morning on the fact that it's been a year since we've been in the building um, and that's a really long time. Um, a lot can happen a year. Um, I got married this year um, and, uh, you know, so my life is very different to how it was when this all started. Um, and then in terms of our Christian faith, we, we've been trying to figure out, you know, this is different. This is new. This is a situation that no one has ever been in before. Um, and I guess we're trying to figure out how how do we do church now? Like, what is it that we need to keep? What is it that um, we can cope without? Um, because we can't get into the building and, and there's, a, there's a lot of things we can't do. But but what is it that's essential? Um, and there's a lot of things still running. Um, there's home groups and we've got worship, which we've had this morning. And there's been prayers and uh, we're still serving in different ways. Um, there's been hand creams going out and um, gift bags delivered to various people. Um, but this uh, book that we're reading at the moment, Acts, is, is I think, just a brilliant place um, to, for us to be as we, as we continue trying to figure this out. Um, because the pandemic isn't um, over yet. We've still, we've still got a way to go. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to kind of whistle through quite a bit of Acts because I, I want to really set the scene for what this speech of Stephen's. Um, so if you haven't got a Bible in front of you, um, please go get one um, now um, and I'll give you a bit of time for that. So while some people are grabbing Bibles, if you already do have a Bible, um, I wonder if you could help me out. If you could maybe stretch out your hand um, towards the TV and, and just pray for me um, as I deliver this message um, today. I've, I've, I'm hoping that God really speaks to us um, both individually and as a church. Um, so I'll just uh, I'd love it if you could pray for me while people are grabbing their Bibles. Thank you so much. Um, yes, so um, I guess there's two main um, groups of people in this story. We've got Stephen, and Stephen is kind of, um, he's this man of God that's been appointed by the apostles, um, along with six other people. And they've been going and distributing food um, to those in need. And they've been um, performing signs and wonders. And, and we've seen this. And, and that all stems from Jesus. And, and, and it's Jesus that they're trying to follow. It's Jesus um, who was crucified and, and rose again. Um, and so they are um, completely new to this. Um, some of them have got a Jewish background. Some of them, um, like Stephen, um, well, Stephen also has a Jewish background, but, um, you know, there's others coming to faith in this time that, that don't have a Jewish background um, and, and more as Acts goes on. And then you've got this um, group of Jews called the Sanhedrin, and it's Sanhedrin that Stephen is brought before. Uh, and this is made up of um, a bunch of Sadducees and priests. Um, the Sadducees are sort of a sect of um Jews from the priestly line. So they're really involved in the temple. Um, and technically speaking, there's supposed to be about seven, there's 70 uh, in the Sanhedrin. Um, this is back from numbers where um, Moses basically appointed a group of people to, um, to deal with the issues of the law. And then there's a high priest um, 
and who the high priest is is it you know it sort of seems to mix up a bit it's kind of anas it's kind of kephas um uh yeah there's some complications there that i'm not going to go into today um but uh i want to um it's not the first time that these two groups have met there's um it's not the first time that the jesus followers um I think at the time they're calling themselves the way and uh, the Sanhedrin have met. The first um, story I want to look at of where they come together is actually it's Jesus and the Sanhedrin. Um, And that can be found in Matthew um, chapter 26. And basically um, they're accusing Jesus of of all sorts of things. Um, This is when he's dragged before the Sanhedrin after he's uh, been arrested in the garden. And um, they say... Tell us if you're the Messiah. People seem to be claiming that you're the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? Uh, and he says, I am. Um, he also says, but I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest, um, Kephas, is not impressed with this. He tears his clothes. He says, you've spoken blasphemy. Um, this is crazy. This is worthy of death. Um, and they start beating and mocking Jesus. Uh, and so that's. Um, you know, it doesn't go very well. Um, the Sanhedrin don't come off in a great light uh, in this one. We might start to think, uh, are these the bad guys? Um, maybe these are the bad guys. Um, they're the ones that have Jesus killed. So then we get to um, the next interaction. And this is um, Peter and John. Um, we find this uh, around Acts uh, 4. So Peter and John. And, and they come before the Sanhedrin and they say, you guys murdered Jesus. You, you had him killed. Um, and um, this is like, it's not abstract. It's not like oh, Jews generally had him killed. The Sanhedrin were the ones that ordered Jesus's death. And they say the stone you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And um Similarly, like the first time, the Sanhedrin aren't very impressed with this. Um, they are quite comfortable in their seats of power. They know how religion is supposed to work. They know they've got the temple. They know they've got the law. Um, and they know that this is the promised land. This is where God operates. He operates through the temple. Um, he meets us through the sacrificial system. We follow the law and then we meet God. And, and they're very sure of themselves. And th- so these guys come along, this this new group of Jesus followers you know, saying something different, saying there's a Messiah, saying um, that he is the way by which God is um, and and performing these signs and wonders. There's this beggar that's healed um, and they sort of they, they actually they, they have no response, really. They're like, we, we really disagree with these guys, but um, there's this beggar that's been healed and he's here and there's nothing we can really say about it. So they go away and they chat amongst themselves and they think. Um, okay, we've got a great plan. Um, their cunning plan is that they come and they tell uh, the disciples or the apostles to stop speaking about Jesus. They're like, this will work. If they stop speaking about Jesus, it'll all go away. But Peter and John are like, um, actually, no, we'd rather follow God. Thank you very much. Um, not you guys. So they go away and they carry on preaching. Um, they are they're, they're obviously a bit shaken by this. Um, they come back together and they do probably um, what we should all do in these situations. And they come back and they pray together um, and they pray for more boldness and they go out. Um, and then there's this like massive time of healing where everyone's getting healed. Even people that Peter's shadow passes over get healed. 
um, and they're continuing to teach in the temple courts. Um, and the Sanhedrin find out about this again, and they're very jealous. Um, they don't like that this is going on. Um, so uh, they they go and um, they're a bit em- embarrassed um, about this whole situation. Um, they, uh, tr- they're afraid of people stoning them, it says, um, but they have them... Um, this sort of uh, in Acts 5, they have them chucked in jail. And then um, once uh, the morning comes and they come and try and get them out of the jail and uh, they've disappeared. No one knows where they are. Well, they have to go and find them in the temple. Um, you can see it's quite a funny story um, developing here. Um, they have to go and get them out of the temple and stop them teaching because this angel came and let them out of jail and, and let them carry on teaching. And but by this point, um, they say, you know, what are we doing? We told you to stop teaching. And not only are you teaching, you're saying that we're guilty of this Jesus's blood. We're not guilty of his blood. Uh, well, spoiler, we know from the beginning they are guilty of Jesus's blood. Um, but um, they come back and they say we're witnesses um, of Jesus and the Holy Spirit witnesses to Jesus. Jesus um, is the way. And we're going to keep um, speaking about Jesus. And um, they're furious. They're absolutely, they're going mad. They're like, right, we're going to kill all of these guys. Um, And um, that would be, you know, who knows whether that would work. Gamaliel comes along and he says, I don't think this, you know, let's not do this. You know, let's not put trust in ourselves. Let's put um, trust in God. If it's God um, at work, there's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop it. If it's not God at work, it's all going to fade away and it's going to be fine. Um, So, um, they kind of take his word for it and um, and they um, say, OK, we won't kill them, but we will still lash them. We, st- we still will whip them. Um, so they receive all these lashings. They go out praising God for being worthy of the suffering. Um, and then Stephen comes along um, and they appoint these these seven um, deacons um, to carry on the distribution of food. Um, and this is where we get to this morning. So Stephen's basically been going out, doing the same thing. Peter and John and all the other apostles are doing. He's been teaching and performing signs and wonders. He's absolutely filled with the spirit. In fact, he's so filled with the spirit that his face is actually glowing as an angel as he comes to say the words that um, Tom shared with us this morning. And um, so we think so basically the same thing has happened every time the Sanhedrin come along. They say this is ridiculous. Um, you can't be following Jesus. Um, and uh, so you may be expecting a similar response. Um, basically, uh, Stephen gets accused of all these things. Um, all the false witnesses we heard last week. You're speaking against this holy place, this brilliant temple. You're speaking against the law. Um, you're saying Jesus is going to come and destroy the temple. You're saying he's going to come and change all of these customs of Moses that we've been handed. Like we know what we're doing. We we uh, this is the right way to do everything, and you guys just keep trying to mess it up. Um, and so, um. Stephen probably has heard about how angry these guys get. Um, I mean, Peter and John got lashings. Um, the apostles got lashings, um, but they, they could have easily been killed. That's what they wanted to do. And so may, you, if you were Stephen, you might be thinking, oh, I need to come up with a way of speaking to these guys that, you know, shows them that I love them in Jesus name. And uh, but ultimately doesn't um, end up in me being killed. Um but he doesn't. He seems to launch into this, um, you know, history book of the whole history of Israel. Um, 
And that might seem kind of strange because you think uh, you've just been asked to basically say, are these things true? And rather than just saying, are the things true that you've been saying, um, you go off on this you know, long speech about the whole history of Israel. But there are two things that Stephen does in this speech, which I think are um, really important to pick up. And I think he is really trying to win over um, this um, group of people in the Sanhedrin through them. So, um, yeah, we're, we're at Act 7 there. So a quick whistle-stop tour of all of um, the past few weeks. And now we land up in Act 7. So the first character we hear popping up um, is Abraham. Um, and it's less about what Abraham has achieved and uh, more about what God um Um, does with Abraham it says the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham Um, so it's about God showing up God shows up to Abraham but the place God shows up is not the temple in Jerusalem it's in Mesopotamia it's not where you'd expect God's spirit shows up in not in the temple but in Mesopotamia Um, but here in this place God makes an amazing promise uh to him and um yeah so this might be you know the, the sanhedrin the people we've heard about they might be thinking oh, I'd, I'd, okay where's you, where's he going with this this isn't the answer to our question but anyway he carries on he keeps going joseph's the next one so joseph um again it says um it talks about how god was with joseph um and um that he rescued him from all his troubles um and so we see God acting again. But where does he act? In Egypt. Well, why is God acting in Egypt? I thought, you know, God was supposed to be in the Holy Land where, you know, the temple is. But he's in Egypt. But there's another theme that starts to emerge here. So we've got this emerging theme of, um, you know, God is you know, showing up maybe where we don't expect him to. But there's another theme that starts to come in here, which is that his brothers rejected him. Um, his brothers rejected him, sold him into slavery, as we know um, when we studied that recently. Um, but it's actually Joseph who comes and rescues his brothers um, later in the story. And we see it's these people who are rejected becoming the savior. Um, I wonder uh, if that's starting to, you know, turn some cogs in your head of things I've already said. Um, the one that was rejected becomes the savior. So then um, the story moves on. Uh, Stephen keeps speaking. We get to Moses. Okay, so Moses is next. And um, Moses, um, again, sort of says God was with him, um, had his hand over him. Uh, Moses gets chucked in the river, but he then gets rescued. And um, and then um, Moses, you know, has, has this really like significant verse, verse 25. Um, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. And he goes to um, try and break up these fighting men. And they say, who made you ruler and judge over us? Who made you ruler and judge over us? Again, we see this rejection. Stephen is telling the story of Moses himself, this this man that he's accused of speaking against, being rejected by his own people, the Israelites. And so, um, you know, Moses flees and he goes away. And then um, again, this theme comes up. God appears to him. But God appears to him in Midian, not um, in Jerusalem. And um, in fact, 
God appears to him in such a mighty, in a magnificent way that he says, this place is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Um, and, um, you know, then we see as, as the story continues, there's all these wonders and signs. But the wonders and signs are in Egypt, uh, in the Red Sea, in the desert for 40 years. Um, but um, and so we um, get uh, to verse 35. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words who made you ruler and judge. He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Yeah, so um, it's, it's but so this rejected Moses becoming the savior, but he's rejected again. The Israelites um, just don't seem to. If you just read the story, it doesn't seem like they're learning from this. They reject him again. They make this idols. They make the golden calf. Um, and God is really upset about this. Um, he gives them over to the worship of the sun and the moon and the stars. And this this. Um, continued rejection of the saviors um um who end up um the rejected ones becoming the savior um is this really growing theme um all the way through this speech and then we get to the tabernacle um and so stephen's actually quite positive about the tabernacle he says um it has been made as god directed moses according to the pattern he'd seen. And the tabernacle, if you don't know, was when God came and dwelt among the Israelites, no matter where they went. And actually it was the fact that the tabernacle could go with them wherever they went. Um, but then David says, oh, I'd really like to make you a house lord. Um, and this is the next bit of the passage. Uh, and actually it's Solomon that built it. And then Stephen comes with this sort of scathing um, reply and says, um, it's not the most high doesn't live in houses made by human hands. Um, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? And so um, actually he, he speaks up um, to the accusations and he says, um, the temple isn't all that you thought it um, was. And so um, this... Uh, and finally, um, we wrap up with this, you stiff necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, I guess this is um, this speech comes to a head and um, he says, you have consistently not not just now in you group of people who rejected Jesus, but you have consistently time and time again rejected people. And through those rejected ones, um, God has brought salvation um, to his people. And ultimately, the ultimate salvation comes through Jesus, who was rejected and died on a cross um, and was raised to life. So. um what was it? What is it that God is speaking to the Sanhedrin here through Stephen? And what is it that God is speaking to us? Well, um, I've, I've been wrestling with this a lot um, as I've been trying to prepare this passage. I think I think that there is um, it's really interesting that we have these two groups. We have the Sanhedrin who have got 
um, the temple and they've got the experience and they've got um, the wealth and power and control and they've been put in place by God to judge um, in, in numbers. Um, and I'm sure they've got amazing teaching and they've got prayer going on and they've got worship going on. And then you've got this other group of people, um, the newcomers on the blocks, the the Christians, the, the people following the way of Jesus, um, who uh, they don't have the temple. Um, they, they do have homes and they meet in homes and they go into the temple courts to try and uh, witness to people. But they also have but they do have signs and wonders. They have miraculous healings. They are filled with the spirit. They are serving the widows. They are giving everything they had. Um, they are praying. They're devoted to the word, um, to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' teachings. They had everything in common. And you look at these two groups and people, you've got, well, one have got all the things that you might think are important. You know, they've got the big, you know, building they've got the structures they've got everything in place but this other group um who who seemingly have none of that who are basically the new kids on the block um seem to be getting these amazing results they have thousands of people coming to follow them um they're having people healed so what's the difference what's the difference between these two groups of people well i think it's quite simple i think it's that one group the Sanhedrin continued their pattern of rejection. They continued to reject Jesus and they continued to trust in their own understanding and they continued to trust um, in their, in themselves. They trusted in the law. And you've got this other group of people who um, laid themselves down and they said, we just want to know um, Jesus, what you want us to do. And all the way back in Acts 1, um, we have Jesus speaking to them um, right at the beginning. Um, if you've got one of these Bibles where you get red text when Jesus is speaking, uh, there's a bit of red text here. Um, Jesus is speaking. Uh, he says, it's not for you to know the times or date the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The difference between these groups of people is that one chose to reject Jesus and carry on believing um, that they knew what to do. And the other chose to follow Jesus. So where does that leave us now? What what do we do with that information? Well, um, basically, I believe God is going to do absolutely amazing things if we continue to follow him. I said earlier, we're trying to reevaluate church. What's important? Is it the building? Is it the people? Is it home group? Is it making sure we do worship? Is it making sure we get a teacher? Um, is live streaming the solution to our problems? Is getting back into the building the um, what we need to get you know on the priority list? I think um, you know we could end up just like the Sanhedrin with a lot of those things we could end up with the Sanhedrin if we thought that it was just getting back into the building if it was just getting into the temple um if we thought that it was you know getting things set up really smoothly and perfectly you know that's the control that they had they had this Sanhedrin this well-functioning machine of judgment um but it didn't help them I it's it's following Jesus it's following Jesus that is 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 what we need um there 
maybe the thing um that i love most about the building um is that um as is mentioned uh, in the kids bit you go in you sit down and you see at the front those big words jesus christ is lord jesus christ is lord we need to follow jesus we can have great expectation we can have great expectation of miracles and signs and wonders we can have an expectation that the holy spirit will come upon us and when it comes upon us we'll be given power and authority uh, stephen has this wisdom that people just can't com- compete with because he's filled with the spirit we can be serving we can be praying we can do the worship we can do the fellowship we can do the breaking of bread we can do all these things um but we need to focus on following jesus not on the things that we're trying to do we need to focus on following jesus we need to pursue god uh in the way that he chose to reveal him um john 1:18 says no one has ever seen god but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. We get to know God through Jesus. Some of you, um, maybe uh, you've never experienced Jesus before. Some of you um, have probably been quite lost while I've been speaking. Um, If you don't know Jesus, um, this is uh, yeah, quite a beefy passage that we've been going through today. But um, the quick recap is that the Sanhedrin sentenced him to death um, and they thought they would crush this rebellion of as what they saw as a rebellion against God by killing him. And actually, it was God's plan for Jesus to go to the cross and it was God's plan for him to die and rise again and um, to take on the sin of the world um, and to bring restoration to the father um, through his sacrifice on the cross. And if you don't know Jesus, this promise is, is, is available to you this morning. Um, it says, if you just repent, um, it says in Acts, if you repent and believe, um, then your sins will be forgiven. Um, and uh, you can come back into that restored relationship with Jesus. And uh, so I, I really encourage you to do that. I think it's um, you know difficult for me sat in my room here, um, not knowing exactly who you are. Um, as I say that to you, um, but follow Jesus. Um, don't reject Jesus. And for the rest of us, um, yeah, we've got some stuff to figure out as we go back to the building. We, we, we need to figure out what is it that's important? Um, what, what, what do we need to be in the building for? What do we need to make sure keeps running? Um, how are we going to figure out all these live streams and, and things? We could end up fixing all of those things and still end up like the Sanhedrin um, unless we are following Jesus, unless we are looking to Jesus, unless we are expecting his spirit to fill the things we are doing. Um, And that's what I want to encourage us to do. I want us to just take those words, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want us to just follow Jesus. Um, Maybe uh, we've been following other things. Maybe we've been chasing you know, all kinds of things during lockdown. I, I thought I would have a, a more clear message um, or a more wise message, uh, but I think my message is just follow Jesus. Um, I think that's, um, in fact, the earthworms trying to do press-ups summarized it brilliantly. 
um, when it said, um, I'll stop trusting in myself and pray to God instead. I'm, I'm just going to pray. Um, <laughs> thanks for sticking with me on this message. I hope it's uh, been interesting. Um, I hope you've gained something for it. I just want to pray for us. Um, yeah. Uh, Father, ah. Oh. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the times we have rejected you. I'm sorry for the times where we've got caught up in thinking it's, you know, it's about the building or it's it's about um, getting the prayer right or it's about getting uh, the worship right or, you know, it's about, you know, doing things polished or smoothly. And uh, I know that you just want us to follow Jesus. You know, you want us to submit to you, to stop trusting in ourselves, to say that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. God, help us to do that. Help us to submit to you, to say that you, Jesus Christ, are Lord. God, we want to see signs and wonders. We want to see healings. We want to see people coming to know you, coming to be in restored relationship with you. We want to see our number growing, you know, not for any control or power or any reason, just so that they can come and know you. We want to see your kingdom on earth. We want to see um, a people that live um, under your authority as the king. Father, thank you. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you're with us this morning. I pray that you send out your spirit amongst us. That where we've been tempted to reject you, Lord, um, that uh, we would instead turn and follow you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.